Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey guys, how are you doing? My name is Cody Freeman, and I know that these are unusual circumstances that bring us together today from wherever you are. And I know that there's people watching all over Tennessee and from other states right now, but I want us to focus on the fact that we have this opportunity to be able to come together. And so before we do anything else this morning, I just want to take this moment and pray to God that he would use this, uh, this tool that we've been given to unify us and that the Holy Spirit would speak to us this today as he brings his word. Um, And so let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to be unified as your church together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would would speak through your word today. Um, That is not me speaking, but it's you um, that's speaking through your eternal truth. Father, I, I pray that you would unify us as your body. Help us to focus more on you. Father, I thank you so much for this church and being able to have the opportunity to speak your word. I I thank you for the leaders, and um, I pray, Father, right now for your protection and for your guidance in them, Father. I pray for your protection over all the people that are listening right now, and I pray that you would set a fire in our hearts to help us long to know you and to seek after you more more purely, Father, in in this uncertain times. We love you, and we praise you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So like many of you guys know, life is very chaotic right now. Um, if, if you don't know who, who I am, my name is Cody Freeman. My wife and I, we've been married for nine years, and we have three sons. Our, our oldest, Ezra, is seven. Micah is four, and Arden is five months old. And um, life in the Freeman house is a little crazy, uh, being stuck at home together. It's, uh, it's chaotic at best. Um, and so me and Lily the other night, we, we had had a, it was just a frustrating, difficult, crazy day being stuck at home. And uh, we, were, we were laying in bed and, and we just kind of looked at each other and were exhausted. And I said, what just happened today? And uh, she was emotional. And so we just kind of like started talking about everything that had been going on. And so I, just so that you know that you're not alone with what you're going through right now, especially if you got kids or whatever the circumstances of your life are right now, I just want to kind of like give you a recap of a day in the Freeman family home right now. So I, I always usually used to try to wake up early before my kids and have, you know, some quiet time. Me and Lily like to, you know, make our coffee and, and, and have some alone time. Lately, our kids have been waking up at 5.30 in the morning. Ezra has always been an early morning person, but for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's because he doesn't have school to go to right now, he wants to wake up early. I mean, like as soon as there's daylight outside, he's waking up and the first thing he wants to do is wake his little brother up who's not a morning person. And so I usually hear at about 5.30 in the morning, some sort of terrible scream coming from their room because big brother just tried to wake up little brother. And so chaos starts, right? I mean, just like as soon as, soon as daylight 
enters. So, I mean, you know, they're crazy. They run into our room and, you know, of course they don't have anything but underwear on and uh, they're hungry. And so if they haven't already spilled cereal and milk all over the countertop, we go and we make breakfast and there's more chaos and, and I still haven't had coffee and Lily hasn't had coffee. And then baby wakes up because there's loud noises everywhere. And so baby wants to eat. So now Lily's already, as soon as she wakes up, she wakes up in chaos and, and then uh, go get your clothes on. Come on, kids, go get your clothes on. And then they bring, you know, superhero costumes in. And, and then we try to sit down. We try to calm everything down and have a little bit of a devotion together. But, you know, I mean, if we get five seconds of sitting down and, and quiet and listening, I mean, that's a big, huge win. And then it's often, hey, you're still not dressed. And hey, here's the third superhero costume of the morning. And it just keeps going. And then it's lunchtime. And then baby wants to eat again. And then we're trying to do school. And I mean, I have this new, unbelievable profound respect for my wife right now um, because this is her norm. Um, I mean, Yezra's usually at school, but I mean, this, this is what she does a lot. And I see that now and I appreciate her more than I ever have before. And so husbands, I just want to take this time um, to, to give you the opportunity to look at your wife and say, I see you and I appreciate you. Because I mean, if, if you've been kind of avoiding home or, or something like that, maybe you have a new respect for what your wife does at home um, and whatever she does, whether she's working right now, which means she's essential or she's at home, whatever she does is essential, all right? So thank her right now um, because, because what she's doing is, is, is great and, and I, can't even, I can't even wrap my head around it sometimes, how, how crazy it is. Um, but that's, that's not all there is. I mean, we've, we've had some time together as family that has been really great um, because this has been a forced slowdown and um, I know I've seen a lot of, of things from many of you guys on Facebook and friends that I've talked to who you've taken this, this time to slow down and, and take time for your family and do things. We've been able to do things like have devotions together every day as a family and pray together when we didn't have time to do it as much as we do now because of school and because of work and because of all of these other things. And we've been able to sit down at a table and have a meal every single night. And I can't remember the last time that we were able to do that, where, you know, we weren't going out to eat and we weren't running like crazy. And, and uh, this has been that, that intentional slowdown time for, for many of us, right? At the same time, I understand that that's not the reality for everybody that there is so much else that's going on um, that, that is so out of our control in this moment. That, that while many of us are able to take a step back, we're able to slow down, we're, we're able to uh, spend more time with our family, there are also very many people who are stuck alone, completely isolated without exposure and friendship to people. And we need those relationships in our lives. And for the first time ever in our lives, we don't get that. It's not even an option right now to be able to interact with our, our friends and our family. And so depression and isolation and all of these things are, are rampant. They're, they're spreading. The fear that is gripping everybody right now has spread so fast. I mean, for the first time in my entire life, we are united across the entire world by a common pain. We, we can look at people that are across the world and know exactly 
that they're feeling some of these same fears, that they're feeling and facing the same type of isolation and all of those things that it brings. I mean, suicide rates have been going up like crazy. Alcohol sales have been going through the roof, skyrocketing because people don't know how to cope. We don't know what to do with this. So we're, we're, either, we're, we're either trying to fix it, which we can't fix it. And, and I mean, not, not only that, but then there's so many homes that don't have a safe home. I mean, schools were the only safe place, the only meal for some kids, and now they're stuck in that chaos and that disaster that is their home. And there are actually thousands and thousands of people that are dying all the time. People are losing their lives. People are losing their loved ones. I mean, there is uncertainty like never before across the entire world, and we don't know what to do with it. I mean, we've never experienced this sort of uncertainty in our lives before. Across the entire world, we're all facing this fear and this isolation and this utter uncertainty. And here's the reality. In our life, in, in, in our country that we live in, in our modern society, we have had control for most of our life. We've been in control of what we do and what happens. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, it's your life, you make it what you want it to. But right now, we're all finding out that that control may have been somewhat of a delusion, that we are not in control, and that's what's, that's what's happening to many of us. I mean, the world, as, as, as a, the human race, is not doing great right now. I mean, we're filled with fear and we're filled with anxiety and, and depression and, and all of these awful things throughout the world and anger and hate. And, and we try to cover it up or we try to deny it or run from it or pretend like it's not happening. But the truth is the world is in chaos right now because we have just figured out that we're not in control. And all of these things that we thought were so sturdy and we thought were stable that we could count on are, have been pulled out from under us that we can't rely on, on the things that we thought were so certain. I mean, so many of us have built our lives around income, job, success, our, our, our position or our, our place in, in society. We've, we've built our lives around all of these things that we have created, that we could control. And now for so many people, that has been taken. We can't control our health. We can't control what's going on in the economy. We can't control what, that we can't even go outside and be around and do the things that we always used to do. It has been completely removed. And now all of a sudden, our world is in chaos because we realize that what we were standing on was not firm and solid ground because everything that's, that can be shaken up is being shaken up. Did you know that Jesus actually said that you don't have to worry he actually said those words, so don't worry. So my, my question is for you today, how do you keep your head when the world has lost theirs? In Matthew 6, Jesus says, and who of you can add a single moment of your life by worrying? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For these things fill the thoughts of unbelievers and your father in heaven knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. See, over and over and over, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came onto this earth as God incarnate in the flesh, he spoke of a reality that exists 
that is more real and that exists above the reality that we currently see and the, the way that we currently view our world and what is stable. He spoke of the kingdom of God. And he said things like, don't worry. And, and we would all say to Jesus, what do you mean don't worry? Do you know what my life looks like right now? And he was speaking to people who actually had nothing. He was speaking to people who lived under real oppression by the Romans. Their lives were not their own. Their lives, they had no control over their lives. And so by him looking at them and saying, can you add a single second of, to your life by worrying? I would ask you that question. Can you add a single moment to your life by worrying about all of the things that are out of your control? I would wait, but I know the answer is no. And so then Jesus goes on and he says, so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. Your, your father in heaven, he knows what you need and you believe in him. You've chosen to put your faith and your trust in God, your father. And so don't worry about these things. I, I want to challenge our view of reality a little bit today because if we had a family member who had a false view of reality, that we knew was harming their future, that was hurting their life, that they were standing on something that was unstable, we would try everything that we could to get them to open up their eyes and see that what they're standing on is shaky ground, that, that it's messing up their future. And we would help to open up their eyes and help them to see what's really going on in their life. But at the same time, we're enraged. We're infuriated when we lose something. When we lose something that's, that we think is, 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 is valuable, that, that we see as stable ground that we've worked so hard for, we're infuriated whenever somebody betrays us, whenever we lose money, when we lose our job. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It, it enrages us to lose something. But you know, in the same breath, you know that eventually you'll all lose everything with death. I mean, that's the reality, is we have made an eternity of nothing. And we make nothing of eternity. We, we have created our own little kingdoms here on this earth. We've done everything that we could to get our little slice of comfort and of peace and of, of perfection. We're all longing for that perfection that God intended for us to have. And we've done everything that we could humanly possible to make our little kingdom happen. And the crazy part is that most of us have succeeded. We, we, we're doing well. I mean, I mean really, we, we've been successful by the standards of the rest of the world and by the standards of the rest of history. We're doing better than anybody else ever has. We've succeeded, but now all of the sudden, all of the sudden, our minds are at war and we are filled with fear and anxiety because our kingdoms are crumbling, because they weren't something that was solid enough to stand and build our life on top of. This is what Jesus was talking about whenever he looked at the people and he said, he said, a foolish man builds his house on the sand and whenever the storm comes, the waves crash in, his castle falls. Our castles are falling and we don't know what to do. So how do you keep your head when the world is losing theirs? Well, let me ask you another question. What is it that you're hanging on to? What is it that is 
firm enough for you to hang on to. I want to read out of Hebrews chapter 6 today. In verse 17, it says this, Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And I want to read it from a couple different translations so that we could understand this better. In the message, it says, We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. And in the Passion Translation, it says this, And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding ourselves to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. The book of Hebrews was written to people who were Christians in the first century. And being a Christian in the first century was a completely uncertain time. So much more than we are experiencing right now. They faced persecution daily. They were forced by the government to hide in their homes to meet together under penalty of death if they would proclaim the name of Jesus, not only by the Romans, but also by the Jews. They were hated by all. They lived in completely uncertain times. And so whenever the writer of Hebrews spoke of this, he was speaking to a people who knew what it was like to suffer, actually suffer and lay down their lives, to, to believe in something that was beyond their current reality. They knew they weren't in control. And so his hope as he speaks this in verse 17, when it says God wanted to show us his unchangeable purpose. I don't know if you know that, but God's purpose is unchangeable. God can't lie. He can't change. There is nothing about him that is changeable. He is firm and solid, and he is meant to be our only foundation that we can stand on. His word is true. It always has been. He is forever. He has always existed. And no matter what happens, the world and everything in it is his creation, and he is above the creation. He is over the creation. He has spoke creation into existence, and so nothing that happens surprises God. He knows what you're going through. He sees you. He is here with you, experiencing with you this with you and his promise to you is still that I will be with you. I'm above all of this. I cannot be shaken. I cannot be changed. I am unchangeable, but I chose you. I mean, I don't know if you realize that, but God chose you. And this is what he's speaking of whenever he talks about this hope. You know, all the time we're, we're trying to figure out what's essential, right? Well, I'll tell you one thing that the Bible says is essential. Hope is essential. 
I mean, hope is one of the things that Paul speaks of when he says faith, hope, and love are these things that will last forever. They're these unchangeable, un- unbreakable promises from God, these gifts from God that exist forever. And I believe that hope plays this key role in that, I mean, faith without hope is just belief, right? It's just, it's, 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 it's a belief. But if you don't have a hope for a future for your beliefs, then what does that faith mean? And, and, and love without hope? I, I mean, you can't love your, your spouse without a hope for a future. You can't love somebody without hope. Hope looks into the future and tells us that it's better than what we're facing right now. But there are very few things that we can hope for that are unchangeable. That's the crisis that we're facing right now. Our longing for hope, our longing for life and perfection and happiness— God put those there in our hearts. He he intended for us to have that hope. Our problem is that we've just got our timing off. See, here on this world, Jesus said, you will experience trouble. There's nothing that exists here on this earth that is an unbreakable hope that's strong enough to be the anchor for our soul. And we need hope and we long for hope. Our timing is just off. We think that we can get it here. We think that we can create perfection here, but perfection will never be on this earth. It is always meant to look forward into a future. I mean, we're supposed to have a hope for the future that is beyond anything that we will ever suffer on this earth. The Apostle Peter, whenever he was writing to the churches, he said, always be ready to give an answer, a reason for the hope that you have. Do you know what that means? That means he, is he was speaking to these people that the world around saw that Christians had a hope amidst all of this suffering, amidst all of these terrible times that they were facing, the persecution that they were facing right now. He said, be, reason, be ready to give a reason for your hope. When was the last time somebody asked you for the reason for your hope? I don't, I don't know if I can remember the last time somebody looked at me and said, why do you have so much hope right now? That's the way we were supposed to be. As, as followers of Jesus, that is supposed to be what defines our life. It's this hope amidst our suffering, amidst the pain and the trials of this world, because those things are certain. We know that we're going to face them. We know that we're going to experience loss. We know that we're going to experience pain. What defines being a follower of Jesus is unlike any other religion in all the world. It's unlike anything else that anybody else has. We have a, an eternal hope for a future that is bigger and better and way beyond this one. We have, we have a hope for a future where everything will be restored, where sin and suffering and pain will not exist we, we, don't, we don't just long for, for an eternity of some mystical place up in the clouds. We, we long for a real tangible future and a hope that is coming to us where the kingdom of God exists on the world that we love and you and me and everything that we love will be made new and perfect and holy. That's our unshakable hope. That's what they were writing about. That's what they long to see. And as followers of Jesus, that's the reality of the kingdom of God that we have a hope for a, a, a real tangible, 
unspeakable life forever that has no end with God our Father who created us. And he wanted that. And he is planned for all of eternity from the beginning all the way until now. And it will be forever. His plan was that we have life with him, that we live with him in perfection and perfect unity with him. There's a man that I read this week, and his name was Diognetes. He was a Christian Greek around the year 130 AD, after, after all of these letters were written, but very similar times under Roman rule. This man was a Christian, and he wrote to somebody else describing the life of Christians that he had seen all over all over the world, the known world at that time. The Roman Empire ruled over the entire known world for the most part. And Christianity was spreading like wildfire through all of these provinces and all of these cities and all of these countries all over. And he wrote describing the life of a Christian. And, and, and as he was explaining all, all of these things, he said, there's, there's nothing really that we would think that would be definitive for a Christian that defines them like any other religion. They, they live all over in all cities, both Greek and barbarian cities. They, they don't have their own way of dressing or food that they eat, but they, they inhabit the countries which they live and inhabit the customs of those places, but they are not home in that place. They are sojourners journeying towards a homeland that is beyond this one. They have nothing and yet they give to all. Everything is taken from them and yet they have hope. They are persecuted, but they are never destroyed. In their persecution, they find life. They are hated by both Jews and Greeks and everybody else. They are despised by all and yet they love. And then he says, if I could sum it all up in one sentence, what is the soul to the body that is Christians to the world? That's what is supposed to define us as followers of Jesus. That, that we are the soul of the world. That we are the life of, of the entire earth. That it flows through us. Did you know that that's what Jesus said he came to give? I came to bring life in all of its fullness. It's not just this future hope that we long for. It's that because of that future hope, because of that anchor that is in our souls, that is firm and placed in the place that cannot be shaken, that cannot move, we have, we have hope that rises up and that we can live in this moment. We can be fully alive and free to live just as Christ lived, that his life is alive inside of us. And that hope should permeate everything that we do. We should stand apart from everybody else because in spite of our circumstances, we have a hope that we long to be with our Father, with our Creator, that He has given us life. Our hope in Jesus is meant to be our unshakable lifeline that we can grasp hold of with both hands and never let go because on the other end, is it's secure in a place that's beyond this one. It's secure on the throne of God where He is sitting and He is immovable and He is unshakable. And that is the lifeline that we're holding on to. That's what we're hanging on to in this life. You want to know how to keep your mind right now? Stay strong. Hold on to that lifeline, that anchor, which is the anchor for our souls. Hang on to that hope. See, in Hebrews 12, 2, in the Amplified Version, it says this, looking away from all that will distract us. 
focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. See, I was reading about Peter this week. And, and we all know the story about Peter walking on the water, right? We, we all know that, that he, was, he was stuck in this boat and all the disciples, they were crossing the sea and the storm came in and, and all of the sudden their boat was unstable. They, 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 were, they were being tossed and turned and, and they were about to sink. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. He had spent all of his life on a boat and he knew that his boat was coming down. And see, we think that it was this great unbelievable act of faith, which it was looking back on it. Unbelievable act of faith for them to see Jesus walking out on the water and for Peter to say, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you. Let let me join you. But I think it was much more simple for Peter. See, Peter had heard Jesus speak of all of these things. He had heard Jesus talk about the wise man and the foolish man who builds his house on sand or rocks. And amidst all of this chaos in the middle of the storm that he was facing right now, he knew that this boat was not safe. Even though it appeared to be safe, he'd maybe even made the boat that they were sitting in. I mean, this boat was going down and he looked out on the wind and the waves and there's Jesus and he recognized in that moment, there's only one safe place on this entire sea and that's wherever Jesus is. Whatever is going on in your life, I can promise you one thing. The only safe place for you to be is wherever Jesus is. In Hebrews 12, he's talking about in the very beginning, let us run our race with endurance. Let us keep going. Let us not stop. Let us keep going and looking towards Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our example. He is the firstborn. This what he experienced. We will experience with our resurrection. One of these days, we will be as he is alive in spite of death for eternity and forever. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Fix your eyes on Jesus and keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep going after Jesus. Now, earlier this year, on, on January 1st at 12 a.m., I was in an ER room with, with my baby boy, who was at the time seven weeks old. And um, he had gotten sick. Oh, right after Christmas, we were visiting my family. And um, he had continued to get worse. And uh, at first, I, I'm... I, honestly, I, I'm, I, I try to be an optimist, like in, in everything, like probably to a fault. Like, and I knew, and I kept telling Lily over and over, even as I, I knew that he was, he was getting sick. Hey, he's just sick. It, it, it's okay. He's going to be okay. And we, we prayed in faith that, that, that God would take it away, um, that he would, he would heal him immediately, and um, that he, he wouldn't be sick, and that this is, this is nothing. And he kept getting worse over the next couple of days. And... Um, he stopped breathing more times than once. And we took him to an ER and they sent us home and we were on our way back to my family's house, my my parents' house. We pass 
this children's hospital. And a thought came into my mind, hey, we should, maybe we should stop and have him checked out. We kept going. And uh, he got worse and he turned blue and cold. And so uh, finally we took him to the, to the ER and they put him on a helicopter and Lily got to ride with him after they had stabilized him, he wasn't breathing. We came to find out he had RSV and that we almost lost him more times than one. And um, I remember standing outside in the cold at 12 a.m. on January 1st. I mean, this was, we had so much hope for, for this year and so many plans that, that were going to happen for this, this year that was coming. And here I am standing at the beginning of the year, what I thought was going to be such a great year. And my little boy, my baby boy, is being taken in a helicopter hours away to a hospital with my wife. And I just had this crisis that I didn't know what to do. And I was trying to have faith and I was trying to, to believe and trust God, but I didn't know. And so we make it to the hospital and the next week was really, really rough. He stayed there for, for two weeks and it was hard. I wish I could say that I had faith the whole time, but I didn't. I doubted and I was angry and I was upset. And in those moments, sometimes I had to just, I had to step out of the room because he was all hooked up to all these tubes and wires and his alarms would start going off and nurses and doctors would rush in and they'd get him stabilized. And I just, I just have to leave. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't handle the moment. And I had to just get out and I just had to start walking. And then we walked the halls of that hotel or that, that hospital and we walked outside of the hospital so many times. And, and that was my space to pray and to focus my eyes back on God because I didn't want to trust him. I didn't, I didn't know how to trust him in that moment. I didn't know how to keep going. I didn't know how to be strong enough because the truth is I'm not strong enough. I, I couldn't carry the weight of, of all of that on me. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be strong enough for my wife or my kids in that moment. And the only thing that I could do was just start walking and just align my heart back to God and tell him that I trust him even when I don't want to. And over the past few weeks, I've found myself having to go back to that place of whenever everything's so full of chaos and whenever I just can't do it, I, I, I just have to get out and I just have to start walking. I mean, like something spiritually happens whenever you just physically walk and, and talk to God. Um, and, and so maybe that's something you need to do is just start, just walk, just go for a walk and pray. And then, you know, that, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a symbolism of our, of our walk with God too that we are on a journey with him, that we have to rely on him in everything. We're not strong enough to hold this. Nothing we have, nothing we could ever create, nothing we have ever been able to do on our own could ever be that unshakable hope. But God is. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus and just keep going, just endure a while longer. That's what 
That's what he's longing for. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Because, now I want to give you the hope right now. Because, this is what it says. Because Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority and the completion of his work. Jesus right now in this moment is seated in heaven as if to say, it is finished. My work has been done. It's completed. He is our king. This is our unshakable kingdom that we are heirs to. We are heirs to his throne. He welcomes us as sons and daughters into his kingdom. And he is the king on high who is seated, who has accomplished his work, who destroyed the chains and the bonds of sin and death and the grave and sickness and anything we will ever face. They are beneath him. He has conquered over them. He is our king. He is our ruler. He is our rock, the rock of our salvation. And it's in him, in our salvation, in Jesus Christ, who went before us, who, who did all of this so that we could be together. That is the hope that's the anchor for our soul. Our salvation for an eternal life within him that is the hope, that's the anchor for our soul. And because of that, we are free to live this life. The chains are gone. You have been set free. You have been given the gift. You are the heir to an eternal, unshakable kingdom. And that is meant to be the hope that propels our life into the future. That's the hope whenever people look at us and they see that everything's in chaos, they can look at us and say, why do you have this hope? I'll tell you why I have this hope. It's because Jesus is my king and he is the one that I'm hoping in, not in anything here. I, I, I hope for a future that's beyond anything we will ever experience here in this life. In Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, it says, since we are receiving our rights, to an unshakable kingdom. We would, should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe for our God is a holy devouring fire. Let us let that hope, the hope of our salvation to be our anchor. Let us know in every single moment that our God has conquered, he is king, and that we are a part of his kingdom, his unshakable kingdom. Let that be your life that flows through you in every single moment. He destroyed all of our chains. He destroyed the sickness that is plaguing the entire earth. It can't hold you down. You shouldn't even be afraid of it. Shouldn't be even afraid of, of even death. That's what defined the Christians in the early church, that nothing that could ever come in front of them, no persecution that they could ever face would be a cause to distinguish or to, 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 to distract from the joy and the hope that they have. It can't extinguish the fire that's within. So let's give our entire lives to God in every moment, wherever you are right now, we're scattered. We're scattered in homes. Let your home be filled with hope. 
but let your rock of your salvation be on Jesus and in him alone. So how do we keep our heads whenever the world is losing theirs? With the hope of Jesus Christ, our unshakable hope. Would you guys bow your heads with me? If this hope that I talk of stirs something in your heart that you have never experienced and you want it, it's what you've been looking for all of your life and everything that you try to put your hope in and everything that you've lost and all of your desires and all of your fears and every second of your life, this is the thing that you've been longing for. It's what you were created for. The Bible tells us that God has placed eternity in our hearts. He's placed that in our hearts so that we long for him. We long to know that there's more than this. There's more than what we're experiencing right now. And if that's something you want right now and you've never experienced it, you've never had that true unshakable hope that's the lifeline for your life, you can have it right now. You can have it. Jesus gives it free. It's his gift for us all. Nothing can stop that. Nothing can take you away from that purpose. And so I am going to pray right now. And if that's you, I just, I want you to pray. I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's simple. But it will change your life. It, it, will, it will change your heart. Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. I thank you that his work was finished on the cross, that my sins, my fears, my shame, all died on that cross. And your blood that was poured out washes me clean. Jesus, I believe that you are alive. You have resurrected so that I can have life. I ask you to fill my heart, to consume me with your fire. I give you all of me. If you prayed that, You have just given your entire life to Jesus. It's scary, like Peter stepping out on to the waves. It's terrifying because it doesn't feel safe. It feels like I'm letting go of control. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're giving the only one who could ever control all your heart and your life, your mind, everything in you. And it causes us to, to be different to look different to the rest of the world, to have a hope that is beyond all hopes. It's what Jesus wants for you. And your life will never, ever, ever be the same. But my prayer for all of us, for every single one of us, would be that we would be different, that we would be his church who proclaims hope in spite of hopelessness, that we would proclaim life in spite of death that we would look forward and long for the coming kingdom and be filled with that life in every moment, 
every second of our being and that we would worship the one who is worthy with awe, with every part of ourself. Father, I thank you so much for this, for this time and for this moment. Father, I pray that you would, you would use these words, that you would use your truth to speak to us and help us move into the future, into what you have for us. Father, I pray that you would use us and that we would be your church wherever we are. We are not confined by walls. We are not confined by isolation, but every moment with everything that we have, we are your people we are a part of your everlasting and unshakable kingdom. We thank you for that hope. We love you. And it is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We, we love you guys. And, and if you made the decision today to give your heart to Jesus, you can text the number to the text saved to the number that's coming up on the screen. There's another number that if you need prayer, you can call this number. You can send this number of message. You can comment on, on this video, but we would love to hear from you. You don't have to live life alone. We're here for you. We love you guys. We are the church. We're freedom. Have a great week. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.